The Bradford Exchange presents The Classic Radio Theater with your host, Carl Amari. Countdown for blast off. X minus one. Yes, it's Maxwell House Coffee Time, starring George Burns and Gracie Allen. Richard Diamond, private detective. The Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. Suspense. It's time once again for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks. Dragnet. We offer you escape. Kraft presents the Great Gildersleeve. Yeah. I'm that man. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum. The Jack Benny Program. Welcome, everyone, to episode 67 of the Classic Radio Theater. Each week, the Bradford Exchange and participating sponsors bring you three hours of the Classic Radio Theater, featuring programming from the golden age of radio. This time, we'll hear two half-hour detective episodes of Mr. and Mrs. North. We'll begin after this short break. Created by Francis and Richard Lockridge, Mr. and Mrs. North were fictional amateur detectives appearing in two dozen novels from 1936 through 1963, a Broadway play, a motion picture, and several radio and television series. The Norths were not professional detectives, but simply a well-to-do New York couple who stumbled across a murder or two every week for 12 years and felt compelled to solve the crimes. A 1942 MGM movie starred William Post Jr. and George Burns' wife, Gracie Allen. That same year, The Adventures of Mr. and Mrs. North debuted on radio and was soon generating top ratings with a weekly listenership of 20 million fans. In 1946, the radio series received the Edgar Award for Best Radio Drama from the Mystery Writers of America in a tie with CBS's The Adventures of Ellery Queen. Joseph Curtin and Alice Frost originally voiced the roles of Jerry and Pam North on radio. Later, Richard Denning and Barbara Britton were cast, staying on for its successful transition to television. The TV series was seen on CBS in 1952 and 1953, and on NBC in 1954. The characters were later resurrected in spirit with ABC's Heart to Heart, the 1979 through 1984 crime drama about a wealthy husband, Robert Wagner, and wife, Stephanie Powers. Time now for the first of two detective episodes of Mr. and Mrs. North. In this first episode, the Norths return from a Mexican vacation and have unknowingly brought back something that leads to murder. Here's Wheel of Chance on Mr. and Mrs. North starring Alice Frost and Joseph Curtin from June 9, 1953. Why, Mr. Connors, what are you... Okay, back up inside fast. Inside, Mrs. North. Hurry up and you won't get hurt. But if you stall around, you're in trouble. Mr. and Mrs. North, starring Alice Frost and Joseph Curtin. Listen as Pam and Jerry solve the mystery, Wheel of Chance. Mr. and Mrs. North, transcribed, is brought to you by the Colgate Palmolive Feet Company, makers of Halo Shampoo to glorify your hair, Colgate Brushless Shaving Cream for tough beards and tender skins, and Colgate Chlorophyll Toothpaste to help destroy unpleasing breath originating in the mouth. Take any brownstone building on any New York side street, walk in, look into any room, and the odds are four to one you'll find someone waiting for a phone call. In this case, his name is Harry Connors, occupation dubious, past shady, state of mind, tense, distraught, 
nerves jangling like... Yeah, about time. Hello? Connors? Yeah, where you been, Lorenz? I've been waiting... You're too nervous, Connors. Irritable. Now, look... Sign of insecurity. Lack of confidence. Yeah, your telegram said you'd call... I'm calling long distance, my friend. Words are expensive. Uh, Okay, Lorenz. Pencil handy? Yeah. Take this down. It's a gray convertible, 1953 model. Okay. New York license plate? Yes, license number 24S373. 24S373. You can learn the name of the owner from the Motor Vehicle Bureau, or whatever it's called in New York City. Now, that'll be easy. You'll find our uh, prize in the left front wheel. Understand? The left front wheel. Okay. Car should be in New York within the next 48 hours. A young couple driving. They went through customs here at the border two days ago. Uh, no trouble. Why should there be trouble? They seemed like such respectable people. Pam. Pam. Oh. (laughs) I must have dozed off. Where are we? Home. Vacation's over. Mm-hmm. Oh, Jerry, I couldn't have slept that long. You slept through half of New Jersey and most of the Bronx. Oh, impossible. I wasn't sleepy. <laughs> you must have been driving too fast again. Only as fast as the law allows. Uh, grab the little suitcase, dear. I'll, I'll get the others. Three glorious weeks across the border. And now this. I'll uh, help you upstairs with the luggage and then run the car down to the garage. What for? Needs a tune-up. I'd like to have it sometime tomorrow. Oh, uh, hmm? oh excuse me, folks. Yes? Uh, you're tenants in this building, aren't you? Yes, we are. Well, me too. I just signed a lease this morning. Well, that's very nice. I'm uh, kind of getting acquainted with the neighborhood. From out of town, you know, and uh, I can't get used to this New York parking situation. Well, just between us, you you never will. <laughs> Any place around here a guy can keep his car without getting a ticket or a, or a dented fender? Well, Jerry usually keeps ours on that street behind the building, uh, don't you, dear? There's usually a space or two there. Oh, well, thanks. That's good to know. Oh, here, let me hold that door for you. Oh, thank you, Mr. Uh... Uh, Connors. Well, good luck in your new apartment, Mr. Connors. Oh, thank you, Mr. North. I'll be uh, seeing you around. Right. Uh, come on, Pam. I want to get to the garage. Pam. Jerry. Darling, the garage closes. Jerry, at... do we know that man? Connors? No. Well, then how in the world did he know our name? <laughs> Yes, ma'am. What can we do for... Oh, you. Oh, that's a fine way to greet a customer, Toby. Smile, baby. I'm busy, Anita. What do you want? That's funny. Your greetings used to be so much cozier. Anita, I can't talk here. Where will we talk, baby? Your place? Get your wife to invite me over. She'd love to hear us talk. There's a car on the ramp. You'd better move. I uh, need more dough, Toby. I haven't got it. No doggone well, I haven't got a dime left. Oh, but you can get it, can't you? Anita, for Pete's sake, this is a garage, not a gold mine. Do your prospecting someplace else. You can get it for me. I've got a little blood left. Do you want that, too? When are you going to let me alone, Anita? When do you pull out the needle? Oh, smile, baby. It took me years to save up that last bankroll. Then I had to get mixed up with you. I'd hate to have to upset your wife, Toby boy. She seems to love you so much. Move, move your car, will you? If she knew about us, she'd be miserable, wouldn't she? Hi, Toby. Well, oh, yes, sir. Be right with you. 
Anita, please beat it. Call me tonight? Yeah, 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 I'll call you. Uh, all right if I leave my car back there, Toby. Uh, oh, oh, hi, Mr. North. I, I'll take care of it. Oh, sure. Toby takes care of everything. Oh, who's that? Just a customer. Pretty? Yeah. I uh, think you can get my car tuned up by tomorrow, Toby. I think the spark plugs need cleaning and... Hey, Toby. Uh, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, Mr. North. Do I... all pretty girls affect you like this? No, sir. Just that one. Pam. Pam, wake up. time is it? Late. Time to go to bed. Oh, isn't this awful? Three weeks vacation and then I do nothing but sleep for three days after it. <laughs> oh, scratch my back, would you, dear? Okay. Mm, good. Now, a, a little higher. Yeah, how's this? Oh, wonderful. We ought to take vacations more often, Jerry. You've only been home three days, Mrs. A, North. a little to the left. Oh. That's it. Two vacations a year. Well, we'd be healthy. Mm -hmm. And dead broke. Mm. Now, who the devil can that be? Oh, I'll get it. All right, all right. Just a minute. Why, Mr. Cobb? Okay, oh. back up inside fast. What are you... Inside, I said. Now, hurry up and you won't get hurt. This gun isn't made of chocolate. Well, isn't it rather late to be visiting, Mr. Connors? Well, who is it, dear? Don't answer. Let him come in. Hey, Pam. Who's at the door? What? Come on in, North. Sit down. Hey, what is this? Sit down. You too, beautiful. Uh, yes, sir. What do you want, Connors? Why the gun? It's not chocolate, Jerry. Now, where is it? Where's what? Don't get cute. It's gone. What'd you do with it? I'm afraid I don't know what you're talking about, Now, look, Connors. you two. It was under your hubcap when you crossed the border. It's not there now. I'm warning you, it's important enough to kill for Let's have it, now. Uh, we haven't got it. Then get it. Uh, but... Now. Uh, Mr. Connors, we wouldn't keep a thing like that around the house. It, it Pam, might go... what are you... Okay, so you got it stashed away. I'll give you one hour to unstash it. Uh, at this time of night? Well, everything is closed, Mr. Connors. We All right, I'll give you till noon tomorrow. Oh, we'll need more time Noon that. tomorrow. And I warn you, no funny stuff. You'll be watched. You'll be tailed. You'll... Oh, really, Mr. Connors? Noon we... tomorrow. And like I said, it's important enough to kill for. Well, Pam and Jerry may be in the dark, but they can still see they're in trouble. Men... Want real shaving satisfaction at a big bargain? Then take advantage of Colgate Shaving Cream's special offer at your dealers now. Here's what you get. A large-sized tube of Colgate lather or Colgate brushless shaving cream free of extra cost when you buy the giant-sized tube of lather or brushless at regular price. That's right. Your choice of a large-sized tube of Colgate lather or brushless shaving cream Free of extra cost. For you lather shave cream fans, you'll find nothing beats those clean, close, million bubble shaves you get with Colgate lather shaving cream. And you men who prefer a brushless cream, 
Light and fluffy Colgate Brushless is the easy way, not the greasy way, for shaving tough beards and tender skin. Whatever your choice, lather or brushless, take advantage of Colgate Shaving Cream's special offer now. A large-sized tube of Colgate lather or brushless free of extra cost when you buy the giant size at regular price. Do it now while dealer supplies of the special pack last. Now back to Mr. and Mrs. North. Okay, now, uh, what did this guy look like? Well, Bill, he was rather nondescript. He was a little shorter than Jerry, uh, but heavier. Medium brown hair, was wearing a gray fedora and a light tan suit. And a gun. Mm. But, Bill, what in the world could possibly be hidden in the hubcap of our car? Oh, anything, Pam. At least anything flat and thin. But how could it have got there? Well, anybody could have pried the cap off while the car was parked. But and... why, dear? And, and, and who? Hey, Bill. What? Wait a minute. Wait just one minute. The garage. The garage? Where I took the car for a tune-up. We didn't have a flat. No, but at a lot of garages, it's routine to check the brake lining. Oh. You'd have to pull a wheel to... Toby may have found something. Who's Toby? The mechanic. Darling, you may be right. Come on. Hey, hold it, Pam. It wouldn't do any good to go to the garage. In that case, there's nothing to do but wait until morning. Uh, now, look, uh, you say this Connors guy said you'd be watched and followed? Yeah, but he may have been bluffing. Uh, maybe he was, maybe he wasn't. Anyway, I, I want you two to go to the garage alone in the morning. But, Bill... Now, now, wait a minute. I'll have a man tailing you to see if you're followed. And if you are, he might be able to grab the guy and we can get to the bottom of this. Okay. But, Bill, what about tomorrow at noon? If Connor shows, my man will be outside ready to take him. Now, there's nothing to worry about, Pam. Golly's, Bill. I hope so. <laughs> Sure, sorry, Mr. North. You said you just wanted a tune-up. You didn't tell me to check the brakes. Well, I thought you'd check them anyway, Toby. Sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. It depends on how busy we are. I'll be glad to look them over for you if you want. Uh, Toby, uh, didn't you even look under the hubcaps? Oh, no, ma'am. I... Hubcaps? Uh, you know, uh, on the wheels. Oh, hubcaps. Uh, were you the only one to work on the car, Toby? Uh, yes, sir. We've been kind of shorthanded here lately. And you didn't find anything? And nothing at all? A couple of bum spark plugs. Are they thin and flat? Pam. Well, I... It's okay, Toby. We just thought maybe... Mr. Uh... North, if those brakes are bad or if you're not satisfied, I'll be glad No, no, to... no. Nothing like that. We just lost something and, well, you know... Oh. Anything important? Yes, but don't worry about it. Well, what was it? Oh, nothing important. What? Uh, but uh, if you find anything that looks like it came out from under a hubcap, let us know right away, will you, Toby? It's important. boy. Hello, Anita. Just like old times, hmm? Come on in. Aren't you an AWOL from that grease pit you work in? Yeah. Hmm, sit down. Thanks, I'll stand. Oh, come on. Sit here. I'll stand. Okay, what do you want? I want you to get out of town, out of my life. Smile, baby. I mean it. I made a big mistake getting mixed up with you. I paid plenty for it. Now I'm telling you, get out of my life. I can? Yes, you can. Uh-uh. I need expense money. You'll get it. From you? Yeah. My last installment. Final payment. You said you were broke. I am. But I struck gold. In that garage? <laughs> In that garage, under the hubcap of a car. Don't make jokes, Toby. Boy, I'm getting tired of Look. you. Look. What is it? Microfilm. 
The Norths went on a vacation, I said, across the border. They slipped this under a hubcap so the customs inspectors wouldn't find it, but they slipped up. I got to it before they could use it. Let's see. Let me see. A whole spool of film full of spy stuff. Names, addresses, even pictures of enemy agents working in this area. And their contacts across the border. You sure it belongs to them? Well, I came in looking for it just an hour ago. It's dynamite. It's worth a fortune. It'll even pay your fare right out of my life. Yeah. Yeah, it sure will. What are you going to do with it, baby? Uncle Sam writes big checks for things like this. The FBI gets the microfilm. I get the reward, and you get... The FBI? Who else? With this film, they And could... the Norths? What about the Norths? The FBI will take care of them. Too bad, too. The nicest people are turning out to be spies these days. Toby, boy, if you ever opened up that pointed head of yours, a moth would fly out. Is that so? Well, here, look at this film. Go on, hold it up to the light. Listen, you stupid little grease monkey. The FBI may give you a reward for that, sure. A box lunch and a bottle of milk. But what about the Norths? What'll they pay for it? Well, that's not the point. I'll they... tell you what they'll pay for it. They'll dig up Fort Knox. They'll steal piggy banks from every kid this side of the Kremlin. They'll hawk their souls and auction off half of Europe to get that microfilm. That's what they'll pay for it. But they're spies. Sure, they're they... spies. You have enough on them to hang them. You can make them pay and pay and pay No. And pay. No, Anita, I... I can't do that. What do you mean you can't do it? All you have to do is pick up the phone and call them up. No, no, I'll... I'll settle for half the dough and... And all of my conscience. Yeah? Well, I won't. Put the phone down. Get away. Put, put it down, I said. Put it down. Let go. That, that's better. A real patriot, aren't you, Toby? What do I have to do to convince you, Mr. Patriot? You got a chance to rub money in your hair and you're worried about dandruff. Oh, what do I have to do, Toby? Nothing. Let me handle it my way. What must I do, baby? Tell your wife about us. This is a lot bigger than that. This... Oh, a real patriot. All right, come here. Come here, Mr. Patriot. Forget that stuff, Anita. Come here. Forget it, will you? Just like old times, Toby boy. Can't forget old times, baby. Cut, Cut it out, Anita. I... Love these old times. Here. Call the Norths, baby. Call them now. And you were completely in the clear, Jerry. My man didn't spot anyone tailing you. Are you sure? Oh, not a chance. Now, what about the mechanic? Do you think he was telling the truth about not finding anything? It was hard to tell, Bill. He seemed a little flustered. Well, that might not mean anything. Now, you just sit tight until noon. Right, but you're sure your man won't take off for lunch? Well, <laughs> now, stop worrying. Okay. So no one followed us? No. Bill says... Th oh, I'll get it to you. Hello. Uh, Mr. North? Speaking. This, uh, this is Toby, Mr. North. Oh, hi, Toby. What's on your mind? Toby? What does he want? I, uh... I think I have the item you're looking for. What? I, I can't hear you, Toby. Well, I, I said I, I think I have the item you're looking for. Did you find it? What is it, Jerry? Can, can you hear me now? Yes, I can hear you. Where are you? Well, I, I have to be back at the garage in a little while. Okay, I'll meet you there. Oh, no, no. No, that's no good. Well, you want to come up here or we can go to your house? No, uh, I'll be back here at my friend's place about 2 o'clock. 2 o'clock? Mr. Connors said noon, Jerry. It uh, has to be sooner than that, Toby. I can't make it any sooner. I have to go back to work. Uh, meet me here at my friend's place. I'll give you the address. Uh, take this down, Pam. 
right. Okay, let's have it. 67 Bryce Street, apartment 1D. 67 Bryce Street, apartment 1D. Uh, I've got it. Uh, Toby, can't you possibly make it before two? No, that's as good a time to talk business as any. I can't hear you. I, I said it's a, a good time to talk business. Business? What kind of business? Big business, Mr. North. Be sure to bring your checkbook. Jerry. Hmm? Look at the time. Yeah. Ten minutes before noon. Where's Bill's man? At the back door. How's he going to know when Mr. Connors comes in? He can hear the buzzer. Hey, is the back door unlocked? Mm-hmm. Are you sure? Positive. Shouldn't we check it again? Relax, Pam. It'll all be over in ten minutes. Bill's man can't get in that back door. It certainly will. Jerry, look. Noon, straight up. Oh, why does he have to be so prompt? Well, here goes. You wait here, dear. Oh, no. Wait there. I, I wish you'd have checked the back door. Jerry? Jerry? Jerry, why won't you answer me? Oh, oh who, who is this man? It's all right, dear. He's uh, just a salesman. A salesman? Yes, darling. A life insurance salesman. Oh, here, 67. Here's the house. Apparently Bill isn't here yet. I don't see his car. What time is it? Two o'clock exactly. We'd better get up and see Toby. On the contrary, we'd better wait for Bill. Well, he knows the address and the apartment number, doesn't he? I gave them to him when I telephoned after Connors didn't show up. Well, then, uh, let's go up and talk to Toby. Bill will be along. All right, dear. I'm too tired to argue. Why do you suppose that man Connors didn't show up at noon? Mm, Only two reasons I can think of. Either he got what he wanted or he knows we don't have it. Toby says he has it. Anyway, I'd feel better if I knew where Mr. Connors was. Yeah, so would I. Jerry, wait. Before you close the door. What? That taxi across the street. Hmm? I could swear it's been following us. At least it looks just like the one I kept seeing in the rearview mirror. Darling, there are probably a couple of thousand taxi cabs like that, all the same color, yellow. Besides, if it's been following us, it's probably uh, Sergeant, what's his name, Bill's man. Uh, Come on. Toby's friend lives on the first floor. Must be down this way. 1B. 1C. Here it is. Look. It was unlocked. Now, why in the world should they leave their door... (gasps) What's the matter, Pam? Good Lord. Jerry, she's dead. Very dead. Who do you suppose she is? Toby's friend, probably. She's so pretty. Sure. Sure, she's the one. One what? In the garage. She was talking to Toby in the garage the day I brought the car in. Jerry, let's get out of here. Yeah, what? let's get oh. out of here. Let's all get out of here. Connors, what the... Come on, now, both of you, move. Oh, what for? We... Because I like your company. And that... That's still not made of chocolate, is it? Nope. Same guy, same gun. Now, let's go. Where to? Well, you two have a nasty habit. You keep getting in the way all the time. So? So I'm going to see that you're put out of the way for keeps. Now move. Now look here, Connor. You, you heard me. Move. And since you're expecting your cop friend wagon, we'll go out the back way.
Well, Harry Connors seems to have a talent for appearing in the wrong place, as well as at the wrong time. Remember, soaping dulls hair. Halo glorifies it, so... Halo, everybody, halo. Halo is the shampoo that glorifies your hair, so halo, everybody, halo. Yes, there's your cue to lovely, naturally lustrous hair. Soaping your hair with even finest liquid or cream shampoos hides its natural luster with dulling soap film. But Halo shampoo is not a soap or cream. Made with a special ingredient, Halo glorifies your hair with your very first shampoo. Even in hardest water, Halo gives oceans of rich, soft water lather. Needs no special rinse. Halo removes embarrassing dandruff from both hair and scalp. Leaves hair soft, shining, easy to manage. Ideal for children's hair, too. Next time, be sure to buy Halo, America's favorite shampoo. So, Halo, everybody, Halo. Halo shampoo, Halo. Now, back to Mr. and Mrs. North. Why have you brought us to this warehouse? You'll find out, Mrs. North. All right, hold it. Who is that? Connors. Well, Connors, what are these people doing here? Uh, I I had to bring them, Lorenz. We'll decide that later. Inside. You found the film? Right here. The film microfilm. So that... Thin, flat spool. You used our car to smuggle it across the border. It was nothing personal, my friends. Your car or another. It just happened to be yours we picked. Of course, as it turned out, we made an unfortunate choice. But uh, we had no way of knowing you would take your car to a garage or that you had a friend in the police department. And we had never known Lorenz if I hadn't put that bug on their phone line. Bug on our telephone line? What do you mean by that? He means he tapped our phone. So that's how you knew that we'd contacted the police and that... Connors is a man of varied and useful talents, aren't you, Harry? Well, I got the film for you, didn't I? Okay, you've got your film. Now what? You brought them, Connors. What do you suggest? Well, I... I I don't know. You must have had something in mind. No, 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 look, Lorenz, I told you I had to bring him. I didn't have time to think. I just had to get out of there. Out of where? Lorenz, will you you stop talking? Connors. I have a feeling something has happened that I should be told about. No, 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 Lorenz. Uh, Not unless you already know about the killing. Killing? Shut up, will you? What killing? Don't listen to her, Lorenz. What killing, Connors? What killing? The killing at 67 Bryce Street, apartment 1D, Lorenz. 67 Bryce Street? Connors, what's this all about? Oh, well, I had to do it, Lorenz. I had to. A dame got hold of the film. She wouldn't you give it up. Fool. Well, you wanted the film, didn't you? You stupid. Before I could get out, these two walked in. I told you I wouldn't tolerate bad judgment, Connors. A murder at this stage of our work can only attract attention. I told you we had to work quietly, unnoticed, unseen. I know. You knew, yes, yes, you knew, but that isn't what you did. You've killed one person and you've brought two more here to be silenced somehow. It's a shame, Connors. A shame you tried so hard and failed so miserably. Stay away, Lorenz. A little man and a big job. Connors, stay you... away, I said. Get his said. gun. Get his gun. I'm warning you, Lorenz. I'm... 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 Watch it. Get it, Get it, Pam. Get the gun. I've got it. I've got it, Jerry. Lorenz. Connors, you bungling, brainless. Shut up. Will you shut up? Here. Take the gun, Jerry. Okay, Pam. And stay right where you are, Lorenz. This gun isn't made of chocolate. You can take Connor's word for it. 
be in the taxi that followed us to Anita's apartment. Mm-hmm. He was just stringing Anita along, making her think he was going to blackmail us. Oh. That's why he insisted meeting us at 2 o'clock. He wanted to give himself time to warn us, but he missed us at our apartment, and by the time we got oh. to... Oh, <laughs> you tired, darling? Dead. You want me to drive? No, dear. We're almost home. Oh, gollies, I didn't sleep a wink last night. I laid awake trying to figure out what could have been under our hubcap. Yeah, so did I. But you're not tired? Oh, of course not. Holy smoke, if a person can't go to s- without sleep for one night, they must be getting old. Well, let's face it, Jerry. We are. Getting old? Oh, nonsense. I never felt better. I feel as young as... <laughs> <laughs> so I see. <laughs> that yawn didn't mean a thing. No, no. No, it didn't. I'm just relaxed. That's all. Derry. Darling. Uh, huh? Huh? <laughs> uh, could you manage to relax a little more quietly? Chlorophyll toothpaste destroys bad breath more effectively. Yes, clinical tests prove Colgate chlorophyll toothpaste destroys bad breath originating in the mouth more effectively, more thoroughly, and for a longer time than a non-chlorophyll toothpaste. These tests with actual cases, men and women who had unpleasing breath, proved Colgate chlorophyll's longer-lasting protection. These men and women brushed their teeth just once, and periodic checks were made on each with a breath-measuring device called the Osmoscope. Even hours later, Colgate chlorophyll toothpaste was proved to give far greater reduction of unpleasing breath. Remember, one brushing with Colgate chlorophyll rids your mouth of a high percentage of decay bacteria, and tests prove a chlorophyll toothpaste can reduce common gum trouble twice as fast as a non-chlorophyll toothpaste. So get the full benefits of a chlorophyll toothpaste. Get fresh-tasting Colgate chlorophyll toothpaste. Every Tuesday night at this time, the Colgate Palmolive Peat Company, makers of Halo Shampoo to glorify your hair, Colgate Brushless Shaving Cream for tough beards and tender skin, and Colgate Chlorophyll Toothpaste to help destroy unpleasing breath originating in the mouth, bring you Mr. and Mrs. North, transcribed, starring Joseph Curtin and Alice Frost. Be sure to join us again next week when Pam and Jerry encounter an angry mob with blood in its eye and a small-town sheriff with murder in his heart in the mystery, License to Kill. The characters of Mr. and Mrs. North are based on those originally created by Francis and Richard Lockridge. Tonight's script was by Don Brinkley, music by Charles Paul. Mr. and Mrs. North is produced and directed by John W. Lufton. The Colgate Palmolive Peat Company invites you to listen to their exciting new quiz, The Phrase That Pays, on radio every weekday morning, Monday through Friday. And to the new Mr. and Mrs. North program on television. Consult your local newspaper for details. Joe King speaking. Mr. and Mrs. North with Wheel of Chance, starring Alice Frost and Joseph Curtin from June 9, 1953. 
Also in the cast, Peter Capel and Chuck Webster, as heard over CBS. All of the classic radio shows we present on this series are direct from the master recordings. I have more than 100,000 original radio episodes under license from the owners and estates, and we make them available via digital download or on CD through our Classic Radio Club. By joining the Classic Radio Club, you'll receive 10 superior-sounding classic radio shows sent directly to you each month, along with detailed liner notes and photos of the stars. You'll receive your first 10 classic radio shows for only $1, and you can cancel at any time. To learn more about the Classic Radio Club, log on to ClassicRadioClub.com. That's ClassicRadioClub.com. I'll have another detective episode of Mr. and Mrs. North after this short break. Welcome back to the Classic Radio Theater. I'm your host, Carl Amari. This time, two students of a prominent fencing instructor are involved on opposing sides of a murder investigation of a blackmailer. The Norths investigate. Here's Touch of Death on Mr. and Mrs. North from March 30th, 1954, starring Richard Denning and Barbara Britton. Where's Steve Decker, Tempelo? Right here, Lieutenant. Bill, look. Be careful, Bill. He's got a gun. Mr. and Mrs. North, starring Richard Denning and Barbara Britton. Listen as Pam and Jerry solve the mystery, Touch of Death. On the second floor of a small midtown Manhattan building, the lights burn late again tonight. Burn as late as they do most every night. And burn as bright as the warped ambition which fires old Pietro Tampolo. Denis, Steve. Ben Denis. Yeah. Ah. Now. Ah, second. Second, you hear. Second. No, 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 no. Too yeah. slow. And the arm. The arm is bent. Bad, bad. Bad, bad. No, 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 no. Ah. Ah, what the devil did you do that for? Your foil. Pick it up. <laughs> almost broke my wrist. Pick up your foil, Steve. Forget it, Meister. I'm quitting for the night. Quit, 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 quit. Look, it's late. I... Your repose is like an old woman swatting flies. You disengage with the speed of an earthworm. In two weeks, you enter the nationals, but it is always quit, quit, quit. Maestro, quit. it's... It's 11 o'clock. We, we've been at Your this Your wife can wait. A national championship cannot. It's not Rose. I... I have an appointment. A business appointment. At 11 o'clock at night. Yes. I'll see you tomorrow. No. No, I cannot afford to be always waiting for tomorrow. What is that supposed to mean? Steve. Steve Filio, there is something you do not know. Uh, about me, I mean. Uh, what's that? Uh, sit. Maestro, I Please, to... please, please. One moment. Okay. Filio, you remember a few weeks ago I, uh, I was not well. Yeah. My doctor examined me and suggested I... Consult a heart specialist. A uh, heart specialist? Uh, yes, yes. I went to him, the specialist, uh, a Dr. Page, and after tests and examinations, he told me... He told me that... Uh, that even by living quietly, he could not guarantee that I would live more than a year. Uh, Eighteen months at the most. Maestro. I, I did not want to tell you this, Steve, but I must. So you will understand if I seem impatient with you. Time... Time suddenly has become a very precious thing. But... 
But if this is true, Maestro, you, you can't go on fencing. Uh, what do you suggest I do? Sit and wait until my time is gone? I have no intention of dying until I have taught you all I know. Until I see you win the national title. Until Steve Decker, a Tampolo champion, qualifies for the Olympic team. Not many people could understand this, Steve, but you can. I know you can, because you love fencing as I do. So, be patient with my impatience, huh? Now, pick your foil. Maestro, I, I have an appointment. So have I, but let them wait. Angard! Dear, I'm home. Oh, holy Pam, oh. what the... Oh, Jerry. Oh, Jerry, darling, are you all right? Sure, sure, fine. Just dandy. Come home from a week out of town and get impaled on the point of a sword. Oh, darling, I'm sorry. Really, you, you just opened the door in the middle of my lunch. Yeah, well, if you'd just be Jerry, a little more... point that scowling oh, Careful. Of yours, After all, please. I... There now. Better? Hmm. Yeah, sorry I blew up, darling, but... Well, I hate to have my own wife make shish kebab out of me. Well, somehow you wouldn't look your best wearing a mushroom. Yeah. Just just how did this toad stabber get into our family anyway? When a woman's husband runs off and leaves her for a week just so he can make a living, the woman gets bored and restless. Yeah, the tragedy of modern marriage. What's more, I need exercise, so I enrolled in a fencing school. Well, couldn't you be happy with knee bends and push-ups? The best fencing school in the city. Run by the oldest, sweetest, wildest-eyed, most temperamental Italian champion you've ever seen. Oh. The great Pietro Tampolo. Pietro who? Tampolo. Watch this lunge. Pam, careful, the lamp! Oh, oh dear. Maestro Tampolo would hate me for that. Sit down, Stephen. Sit down. It is good seeing you again. I bet. Well, I'm here now. What do you want? Some funds I was expecting from another source did not materialize, Stephen. So I must ask you to pay something on the loan I extended to you. How much do you want? Half. Two thousand? Two. Oh, no, Stephen. Four. What? Four thousand. What are you talking about? Four thousand was all you gave me. True. But what with the accumulated interest and uh, other factors, the price is eight thousand. And I want half four now. But I don't have $4,000. Then I would suggest that you get it. I, I, I can't get it. Two, maybe. Yes, but... Sorry, Stephen. When I say four, I mean four. And uh, if you cannot get it for me, then I'm afraid I must take your collateral and raise the money elsewhere. You, you can't sell those trophies. <laughs> those trophies... Would you like to see them once again, Stephen? Oh, listen, Duchess, the... I keep them here, in this cabinet. Oh, out of sight, naturally. Look at them. Only Tampolo would have such trophies. Antique goblets set with priceless gems. He won them years ago. And I won them just the way he did. If the maestro only knew how lightly you have treated them. You know why I did it. I was desperate. Rose was sick. We and... all have our misfortunes, Stephen. But we cannot expect others to pay for them. Will you have a drink? 
Those trophies aren't worth $8,000. But your reputation as a fencer, that is worth it, no? What do you mean? The stringent rule that governs all American amateur athletics. Any participant deriving commercial gain from medals or trophies is to be disqualified. Well, uh, just a minute. Too bad. With the national tournaments a mere two weeks away. I, I can't raise 4000 I tell you. And Tampolo? Listen, Duchess, Tampolo is sick. Oh? He hasn't very long to live. I am sorry. The, the one thing he's living for is to see a Tampolo man win the national title, to see a protege of his qualify for the Olympic team. And you, Stephen? You are favored to win, no? I, I suppose so, yes. Ah, shame. An American Olympic champion degraded by scandal. Fuel for anti-American propaganda. Can't I make you understand? I don't have $4,000. Tampolo is worth many times that much. And he will do anything to protect his reputation and yours. I can't ask him for money. No? Then I shall. I... I kill you first. <laughs> drink? Yeah, drink from a goblet set with jewels. A gift to Pietro Tampolo from Count Freyheaven Lass. You miserable old... Four thousand dollars, Stephen. You stay away from Tampolo, or I'll kill you. Plus the price of repairing that goblet. Steve, you... You haven't touched your breakfast. What? Your breakfast. Oh. I'm not hungry, Rose. I, um... I didn't hear you get home last night. What time was it? Oh, I don't know. It's after two. Oh? Were you working with Tampolo all that time? Yeah. yeah. Why? Oh, I just asked. You don't believe me? No, Steve. I called Tampolo's at one. I didn't get an answer. Well... And you were pacing the living room at four this morning. You didn't go to bed at all last night. Something's wrong, Steve. Yeah. What? Rose, how much money do we have in bonds now? Twenty-three hundred. Why? I need it. What for? Look, Rose, it's a long story. Longer than it took us to save twenty-three hundred dollars? What do you want it for, Steve? Okay, I'll tell you. A year ago last winter when you were sick and I was out of a job, mm -hmm. I uh, borrowed some money. I told you I'd put Tampolo's trophies in the safe deposit vault at the bank. That wasn't true. I, I used them to get the money. Go on. I got it. 4000 from an old woman named Maria Kubek. She calls herself a duchess. She knew Tampolo in Europe years ago before the First War. I met her at Tampolo's and... And to make a long story short, she wants some money. 4000 but if she wants 4000 now, how will 2300 help? I figure if I go to her with that much cash, she might listen to reason. I'm sorry, Steve. But you can't have those bonds. Rose. I, I mean it. If you take the last cent we have in the world and give it to this, this duchess woman, we're through. But the trophies. Let her keep the stupid trophies. Listen to me, Steve. For five years, you've let the obsession of an egocentric old man run our lives. Just because he took you in and fed you and put a few clothes on your back when you were a kid. Well, don't you think I owe him something for that? Don't you think you owe something to yourself and to me? Good Lord, Steve, you're a man now. You're not a kid anymore. You're getting too old for games. Who cares if you win a thousand national fencing titles? Oh, Rose, please. I know how you feel. I don't blame you, but 
princing is Tompolo's life. Then let him have it. Rose, honey, listen to me. Last night, Tompolo told me something. He, he's sick, Rose. It's his heart. His doctor gives him a year, 18 months at the most. That's the best news I've heard in five years. Oh, you don't mean that. I do. Can't you understand this title? I want to give it to him. I have to give it to him. All right, Steve. Go ahead. Give the Duchess our money and, and Tampolo his, his title. But when you're through, don't you bother to come home. I won't be here. <laughs> Now, lunch. Ah, the left foot must be stationary, Mrs. North. Can't help it. It sneaks up on me. <laughs> How's she doing, Mr. Tampolo? Ah, Mr. North. Hello, Jerry. About done with your lesson, dear? Almost. An apt pupil of the foil, your wife. Uh, you uh, do any fencing, Mr. North? No, no. My, my sport is crossword puzzle. Yeah, but fencing is much more than a sport, my friend. That's it, Mr. Tampolo. Talk him into it. Fencing, fencing is a science, an art. It demands... The grace and speed born of the dance. The strength born of battle. The courage born of the death struggle. <laughs> Sounds pretty grim. I think it's romantic. Ah, yes, romantic. Grim, it is both. The duel has been outlawed, but death is still the third man on this trip. Oh, golly, I'd better practice my lunge. Yes, uh, let us try again, Mrs. North. All right, I... Well, for Pam! What? <laughs> Look who's here. Bill Wigand. Pam, Jerry, say, what are you doing here? I've taken up fencing to reduce. Yeah, and if she doesn't stop practicing at home, I'm going to wind up lighter by one head. <laughs> what brings you here, Bill? I'm looking for Mr. Tempolo. I am Tempolo. Maestro, this is Lieutenant Wigand of Homicide. How do you do, Tempolo? A pleasure. But uh, Homicide? I'm afraid I'll have to ask you to come down to headquarters with me, Mr. Tempolo. Hmm? I'd like to ask you some questions. Questions about what? Are you acquainted with a Maria Kubek? A woman who called herself the Duchess. Uh, yes. What about her? She's dead. She's been murdered. Jerry. Hmm? How long has Bill had the maestro in there? Oh, about a half hour. I don't get it. Why did Bill want us to come down here anyway? We we've never heard of this Duchess. I know. I don't understand it, but... Oh, wait. Here's Bill. Pam, Jerry, come on in. Okay. I'm sorry you had to wait so long. Sit down. Okay, thanks. Where's Mr. Tampolo? I had one of the men take him home. You know, he's a lot sicker than he admits, and this hit him pretty hard. Well, how come? Was the Duchess a friend of his? No, not particularly. He says he knew her only slightly. Who was she anyway, Bill? <laughs> sort of a cosmopolitan extortionist, blackmailer, and all-round con woman. Old, but not mellow. Well, then why should Mr. Tampolo be so upset? You know Steve Decker? Decker? Uh -uh. Well, I do. I've met him at Tampolo's style. He's Tampolo's protege. Yeah? He's one of the best, if not the best, fencer in the country. I know. Tampolo told me all about him. He practically raised Decker. He took him in after Decker's parents were killed in an accident when Decker was only 14 or 15. But what does Steve Decker have to do with this? Well, as far as we know, he was the last person to see the Duchess alive. He also may have been the first one to see her dead. You think he... According to the elevator boy in the Duchess' apartment house... Decker called on the old woman last night at about 12.30. And he was back this morning just before noon. And the Duchess died sometime between 12 and 2 this afternoon. Hmm. We found Decker's fingerprints all over the apartment. And this, lying on the rug. Hmm. What is it? It looks like a ruby. It is. I didn't know they came that small. What's it from? Well, it could be from a ring, but I doubt it. We checked every piece of jewelry the Duchess owned. No luck. Well, uh, think it came from something, something uh, else? Did Steve have... Decker wear much jewelry, Pam? 
No, he wasn't the type. Well, no watches or stick pins or cufflinks, that sort of thing? Not that I particularly noticed. Well, look, Bill, if you think that ruby belongs to Decker, why don't you ask him about it? I'd like to, but I can't. Can't? Why? He's disappeared. Oh, brother, am I hungry. Mm, so am I. Why don't you get the waiter in order? Hmm? Oh, I've been trying to, but every time I wave at him, he waves back. Very friendly place. Mm. Hey, Pam, dear, didn't anyone ever tell you that it's impolite to read at the table? Mm. Mm-hmm. What the uh, devil is the magazine you're so interested in? The Fencing League Bulletin. It, mm. it was in the mailbox when I left for Tampola's this afternoon, and I put it in my purse. Uh, well, read it later, will you? All right. Oh, darling, I'm sorry. But, but look at this, a picture of Steve Decker. Isn't he handsome? Yeah. He's favored to win the national title. Here's a long story about him. Hmm. Well, let's see. I'll try my luck at getting the waiter. Okay. Ma'am. What? Hey, did you read this story about Decker? Not all of it. Why? Well, did you see this? Listen. Decker has won every trophy donated to the league by Pietro Tampolo, his instructor. Well, everyone knows that. Yeah, but listen. Included among the trophies is the famous Von Lasser Cup donated by the Austrian nobleman Count Freeherr von Lasser and originally won by Tampolo in Vienna in 1912. Mm -hmm. The cup inset with small rubies. Rubies? Rubies. Oh, Jerry, do you suppose the ruby bill found it? I don't know. Well, what would Tampolo's trophies have been doing in the Duchess apartment? Oh, I don't know that either. Well, Bill ought to see this. Yeah, he... He was on his way to talk to Mrs. Decker when we left him, so he won't be back in his office yet. Look, we'll wait until... Uh, no, we, have... we won't. We'll go to Mrs. Decker's, too. But, Pam, look. Hey, the waiter's coming. Good. We'll wave to him from the door. Yeah. <clears throat> Mrs. Decker? Yes, I'm Lieutenant Wigan. Oh, oh yes, the officer I spoke to on the telephone. Come in, please. Thank you. There are a few questions I want to ask you, Mrs. Decker. I'll tell you anything I can, Lieutenant. You told me on the phone you don't know where your husband is. And I still don't. Well, have you any idea where he might be? No. Have you asked Pietro Tompolo? Yes. Well, if he doesn't know, no one does. Tompolo owns Steve, every inch of him. If it weren't for Tompolo... He wouldn't be in this mess. Oh, why not? You wouldn't understand. I, I don't know that I understand it. This insane fanaticism of Tompolo's for fencing and, and the way he's played on Steve's feeling of obligation to him to turn him into a, a ridiculous puppet. Uh, Mrs. Decker, have you ever seen this before? Oh, where, where did you get that? It was on the floor of the living room in Maria Kubek's apartment. And the trophies? Trophies? The Tompolo trophies. Steve had won. Well, there was nothing like that in the apartment. Then oh. Steve did kill her. Tompolo could even get him to kill. What do you mean? Oh, the Duchess was blackmailing Steve. She loaned him money on the trophies, and then she threatened to have him disqualified for the national title tournament. She demanded $4,000 immediately. And he didn't have it? No, only $2,300. That was all we had in the world, but he took it, hoping she'd listen to reason... May I answer it? Well, certainly. Go ahead. Hello? Rose? Oh, it's... It's you. Hello. You're not alone? No. The police? Yes. Listen, Rose. I'm going to Tampolo's. Meet me there, but be careful you're not followed. All right. As soon as possible. 
That was your husband? Yes. Where is he? With the maestro. Where else? Tompolo? Yes. You want to come? No. Steve shouldn't have called me. He knows how I feel. I told him this morning. I never want to see him again. Sorry, Mrs. Decker. <laughs> Jerry, there he is. Hey, Bill! Oh, Pam and Jerry. Bill, we've got something to tell you. Look, we'll get in my car, and you can tell me on the way to Tampolo's. Tampolo's? What are we going there for? To get Steve Decker. And when I... When I walked in, the Duchess was lying on the floor, dead. And the trophies were gone. Oh, Steve, Theo. I, I didn't kill her, Pietro, I swear. Then who, Steve, who? I, I don't know. Rose? Rose? Uh, oh, that's ridiculous. Is it, Filio? Is it ridiculous to think she may have been afraid the Duchess would accept the $2,300 you were going to offer? Why would she take the trophies? They have a certain monetary value. Oh, no, but to think that Rose... Or... Or she may have taken them knowing that if they were left behind, you and I would be incriminated. She could not foresee that the police had other ways of knowing that we were acquainted with the Duchess. Filio, you must give yourself up. And implicate Rose? But if she killed... She didn't! You do not know that, nor do I, or the police. No, but... And to run and hide as you are doing is, in the eyes of the police, an admission of guilt. Now, please, Steve, Filio, all that we have worked for. Dreamed of from the day you came to me as a mere boy. All the hours, the days, the years. Oh, in the name of heaven, can't you forget fencing even now? No. Well, you might as well forget it, Pietro, because I'm through. Steve! I'm not going to compete for the national title. But no one knows that you use the trophies to get money, and no one need know it can be our secret. It has nothing to do with it. I hate fencing. I loathe no, it. No, Filio, no. You must not say such a thing. I've catered to your insanity on this subject long enough, Pietro. Too long. Steve, Steve. Who's that? Go into the other room. Down below. Open up. They're coming. Lieutenant Wigand. Mr. and Mrs. North. Where's Steve Decker, Tampolo? Steve? But but what makes you think he's here? We know he is, Tampolo. His wife told me. And she told him about the Duchess having the trophies. Where's Decker, Tampolo? Right here, Lieutenant. Steve! Look out, Bill. He's got a gun. And I know how to use it, Mrs. North. Now, don't be a fool, Decker. Put that down. And I'm ready to use it, Lieutenant. I'm leaving here, and anyone who tries to stop me is going to get hurt. No, Steve, please. Put the gun away. You're just making things tougher for yourself, Decker. Lieutenant, make him give up that gun. I'm afraid he's dealing, Tumpolo. Listen to the Lieutenant Maestro. Get away from that door. Lieutenant, he did not kill the Duchess. It was Rose. Uh, Rose? His wife? That's a lie. Please, Steve, it is not too late. The money you got for the trophies, we will ask the League for a hearing. Forget I... it, Maestro. You can't save anything out of this. Now get away from that door. No, Filio, you are not a killer. You will not use that gun. I will. You get away from that door, or I'll shoot. Do as he says, Tumpolo. My life is over. I have no fear of that gun. Skip the hero act, Tumpolo. Give me the gun, Steve. Stay away from me, Pietro. I swear, I, I shoot. You have your choice, Steve. Shoot or hand me the gun. I don't want to hurt you, Pietro, but I will if you don't... Shoot or hand me the gun. Forget it, Tampolo. Don't press your luck. Watch it, Tampolo. Please, maestro. You are not a killer, filio. <laughs> 
Brothers. Come on, Decker. No, no, Lieutenant, not Steve. You want me? You? Yes. I followed Steve to his meeting with the Duchess last night. I heard their conversation. Today I returned to her apartment. She was willing to destroy Steve's reputation and my dream. I destroyed her. You killed her? Yes. I thought I might forestall this moment, but... Well, a doctor's verdict or a jury's verdict, does it matter? Maestro, I... I don't... Steve... Steve, keep the blade low. More speed when you disengage and... Uh, Lieutenant. Okay, Tompolo, let's go. What did I tell you? Isn't it a lot of fun, Doc? <laughs> yeah, as a matter of fact, it is. Great. <laughs> well, shall we give it another whirl? Oh, why not? Here we go. Okay. On guard. On guard. <laughs> of course, I wouldn't say this demands the grace and speed born of the dance. <laughs> or the strength born of battle and the courage born of the death struggle. <laughs> but, gollies, I don't know why we didn't buy a ping pong table long ago. This is the United States Armed Forces Radio Service. And that's Mr. and Mrs. North with Touch of Death, starring Richard Denning and Barbara Britton from March 30th, 1954. Also in the cast, Francis DeSales, Lamont Johnson, and Don Randolph as heard over CBS. Stick around, I'll give you our lineup for episode 68 of the Classic Radio Theater after this break. Next time on episode 68 of the Classic Radio Theater brought to you by the Bradford Exchange, we'll hear two horror episodes of Inner Sanctum Mystery, so don't miss it. To reach me and to learn more about the Classic Radio Club, Visit ClassicRadioClub.com. Be sure to tune in to our next show. Thanks for listening. <laughs>